Welcome to the weekly worship service from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School in Bourbon A and Kankakee. In today's service, you will hear readings from God's Word, a message from our pastor, the Lord's Prayer, and a blessing for you and your family. But first, a few announcements about our ministry at St. Paul's. We invite you to join us for our weekly 5 p.m. Saturday worship service at our church located at 348 East Merchant Street in downtown Kankakee. We also hold weekly Sunday morning worship services at 8.30 and 11.05 at our school site, located at 1780 Career Center Road in Bourbon A. If you have any health reasons that might keep you away from in-person worship, please consider one of our alternative worship services, such as our worship page on our website, our weekly WKAN broadcast, and through our Facebook stream. You may also request an audio copy or opt for our podcast. All worship services and church information are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. The latest information on our response to the pandemic is available by clicking the COVID-19 tab at the top of the page. For more information about St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, please call the church office at 815-932-0312. And now we pray that you are blessed by the Word of God in today's worship. reading for the third Sunday in Advent is taken from the epistle, the first epistle to the Thessalonians, chapter 5. Rejoice always, pray without ceasing, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Do not quench the spirit, do not despise prophecies, but test everything. Hold fast what is good, abstain from every form of evil. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Let's stand for the reading uh, for the Alleluia's Gospel. <laughs> chapter. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. This is the testimony of John. When the Jews sent priests and Levites from Jerusalem to ask him, who are you? 
He confessed and did not deny, but confessed, I am not the Christ. And they asked him, What then? Are you Elijah? He said, I am not. Are you the prophet? He answered, No. So they said to him, Who are you? We need to give an answer to those who sent us. What do you say about yourself? He said, I am the voice of one crying out in the wilderness. Make straight the way of the Lord, as the prophet Isaiah said. Now they had been sent from the Pharisees. They asked him, Then why are you baptizing if you're neither the Christ, nor Elijah, nor the prophet? John answered them, I baptize with water. But among you stands one you do not know, even he who comes after me, the strap of whose sandal I am not worthy to untie. These things took place in Bethany across the Jordan, where John was baptizing. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, who will keep you blameless until that great and awesome day of our Lord's appearing. Amen. Hold fast what is good. Abstain from every form of evil. This is our text. Paul loved the Thessalonians, and his love of the Thessalonians is more out of the four weeks that he had worked there planting the church in Thessalonica for being driven out by the Jews. He longed to come back to the church of Thessalonica, but he was never able to come back to his beloved congregation. However, Paul was able to send Timothy, and Timothy sent back a report to Paul when he was working in Corinth. Paul had heard of the good and bad things happening in the church of Corinth through Timothy's reports. He heard of how they were persecuted by the Jews. And the Thessalonians, that suffering was even known to Paul even before Paul that Timothy had sent that letter. And that all of the churches in Macedonia had known of the struggles of the church in Thessalonica. They became an example to those churches in Macedonia and Achaia. The word of the, the, the word of the Thessalonians faithfulness, well, it got around. Now kind of put it in our geography, it'd be as if we were here that persecution was happening over at Zion Grand Park. And so then all the churches in the area, in Kankakee County, would be looking to Zion Grand Park as a model of faithfulness as they were suffering from persecution. That was the situation that the Thessalonians had found themselves in as all the churches in Macedonia looked to the church of Thessalonica as a model of faithfulness as they endured persecution. Paul writes to them because they need encouragement. Sin, the world, and the flesh were attacking the church of Thessalonica. They needed to be reminded who whose they belonged to as they suffered affliction. They need to be reminded who they belong to, to have the joy of the Holy Spirit. Paul reminded the Thessalonians who they were. They were a people bought with a price, washed clean by the blood of Jesus, a people sanctified completely, a people who hold fast to what is good, 
and abstain from evil. Paul's encouragement to the Thessalonians is our encouragement. And boy, do we need encouragement in this time. The world, Satan, and the flesh seek to rob us of the joy of Christ. We need encouragement because, quite frankly, we're all weak. Isaiah likens our faith to that of a smoldering wick. The reality we're all clean in here at all by grace alone. The Christian joy is, is not something that is a sentimentality. It's not a sentimental feeling that we look at a, a Christmas tree, but a, a Christian joy isn't enjoying the creature comforts of this life. Those things are not the source of our joy as Christians. Our joy is to behold the Christ, the Lamb of God, who comes to take the sin of the world. Christian joy is to remember the one and to give thanks for the one who broke our chains of slavery and set us free to be people of God. So we are to hold fast to what is good, even when the world denies, uh, see, uh, the world gets us to try to deny the truth of God's word. Rejoice always. Paul encourages us today to be joyful. Grief is a thief that steals our joy. Satan seeks to rob the joy that God has placed in your hearts. The Lord says of Satan in John 10.10 10, that he is a thief. And the thing is, is that there's a lot to grieve in this world. We may be missing that special loved one that we look forward to, to enjoy the holidays with. We may, be, we may not be in a certain place in life that we thought we would be in already, that we haven't attained our life goals, you know, whether you know, it is to get married or having children or you know, having success in your career. We may have been diagnosed with, with cancer or another terminal life-altering illness. Things are just not the same anymore. We grieve because we have lost. And when we measure that loss, we become discontented. Discontent is different between where we think we should be and the place where we really are. When we covet what others have, Satan steals the joy out of our hearts. Spirit of discontentment takes over Bitterness reigns in our hearts. Our hearts grow cold to others and the needs of others. We forget the joy of this season is Jesus. Jesus is the one who gives joy in our hearts. He gives us joy by giving us his divine life and love. He came into this dying and decaying world to bring healing to the blind, to cast out demons, to raise the dead. God broke into his creation, held captive by sin and death and the devil. And Christ has set us free from death. And since we're in Christ, no accusation of sin can ever be brought against us by Satan. Christ gives us hope by giving us a future. The hope we have is, is not of this world. 
You know, this perverted world with its perverted sexuality, perverted justice, and perverted truth will pass away. Christ tells us today, take heart. I have overcome the world. In Jesus was life, and the light was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. You know, the word thanks there is related to the word think. I mean, if you really think about it, you know, think about it, they're separated by just one vowel, right? Think, think, right? So they are related words. Thanksgiving is not just merely expressing gratitude. Thanksgiving is remembering all of what God has done for us. And we remember God when we pray. And this is why God bids us to pray, is to remember, to remember that He can change every and all circumstances that we find ourselves in. God invites us to pray without ceasing, to continually think about Him, remembering the story of salvation, how He changed the circumstances of Noah and Abraham, Joseph, Jacob, and David and how he changed the circumstances of the Holy Family, Joseph and Mary, with the birth of our Lord Jesus. He changed our circumstances when he shown the light of his love in our hearts. When we receive the Lord's Supper, Christ calls on us in remembrance and thanksgiving, gratitude that Jesus has forgiven us all of our sins and his true body and his true blood in with and under the bread and the wine. That's why the Greek word for communion is eucharist, which means thanksgiving. God changes our circumstances whenever he forgives our sins. And on the last day, God is going to come again, and he's going to change everyone's circumstances. When he raises both the just and the unjust from the dead. And we look forward with thanksgiving for that day to come. Satan also tries to destroy our thanksgiving with the anxieties of this season. He and our sinful flesh often, often get us to forget about God's almighty power. We forget about the amazing and awesome things our God has done for us. We forget about the grace that he has lavished so richly in our hearts. We become bogged down with the cares of this world, with all the Christmas parties and festivities we have to go to, sports and decorating. We forget the reason for the season. The season is just so full of anxiety because we try to cram everything possible in every day in this month. And it gets so bad that you feel that coming to church is just one more hoop that you have to go through in this busy Christmas season. And this Christmas season is just so full of idols. The idol of our family, for instance, where family becomes an excuse to miss out on Christ's gifts. Where the idol of stuff 
where we are scrambling all to buy a bunch of stuff that's just going to collect dust over the next year. Listen to what the Lord tells Martha and Luke about where our priorities should be. Now as they went their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to him teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Mary held fast to what is good. We need a break from this anxiety-filled and hectic season. Jesus invites you to rest in him so that you may have joy. He should be your excuse to take a break from everything. He is your break from all the noise and all the stress and all the anxiety of this season. Today, Jesus invites you to listen to him. And all he asks you is to cast all of your cares and anxieties on his mighty shoulders that you may have joy. Do not quench the spirit. Do not despise prophecies. But test everything. Hold fast what is good. Your role as the priesthood of all believers is to test everything that comes from this altar and pulpit. Every Christian is to test the spirits, as John says in his first letter. And every sermon must be tested against scripture. That is why I am so thankful for the joyous preaching of Pastor Copen and being in team ministry and his, his excellent example of preaching. It is a joy to me that I get to receive the word as well. What Paul is saying here is that we are to not despise faithful preaching or the scriptures. Even when what a sermon or the scriptures say goes against the world, we must remember who we belong to. We're a people who hold to what is good and abstain from evil. Now, what does the world say is good, but is evil? Are we listening to the world out there and all the voices with an open mind? or with an open Bible. What do the scriptures say about abortion, sodomy? What do the scriptures say about what it means to be a man and a woman? Scriptures are not silent about these things. They are very clear. Jesus has spoken of these things in the Ten Commandments. Do we listen to him or the world? How often do we indulge the the world and his pleasures, rather than to find joy in following Christ? How often do we allow the world and its priorities to run the church and our institutions, rather than the clear word of God? James in his epistle says, friendship with the world is enmity with God. And do we take Jesus's, Paul, and James's warnings seriously? Or do we indulge in a kind of play Christianity? 
the Lutheran theologian and philosopher Soren Kierkegaard in the 19th century condemned the preaching of the state church in Denmark for her lay Christianity and his letters to the newspaper of the following. Kierkegaard's critique concluded that the state church preached that since Christ has taken care of your eternity, you could indulge in every creature comfort you wanted to, and not the comfort that comes from the gospel. The state church taught to avoid suffering, to enjoy this life, take no hard stances, and especially to not suffer for the sake of the gospel. The state church preached a false peace. This is in stark contrast to what biblical Christianity says about the necessity of suffering. In his essay, What Christ Judges of Official Christianity, Kierkegaard condemns the stance of the Danish Lutheran Church. He rebukes the church with this statement. He says, the Christianity of the New Testament is, in the fear of God, to suffer for the doctrine at the hands of men. And just because we're a, a free church, that is, we're a church that is not controlled by the state, it doesn't mean that we don't suffer the same temptations of a state church to conform to this world. Even more as a free church, we are vulnerable to compromising our doctrine, to make a Christianity that is palpable to the world. Paul's encouragement to, to the Thessalonians was to not give in under the duress of persecution. The Thessalonians were suffering as the body of Christ. Paul calls on us to suffer as the Thessalonians did, to emulate the church of Thessalonica in persecution. Compromise with the world is a Christianity with no substance, a play Christianity. And a play Christianity has no joy because the joy in Christianity, the substance of that joy, is suffering as a part of Christ's body. Both that joy that we see Christ suffering on the cross, that joy that we, we see in his body, and also as his body of the church, we too suffering as our Lord suffered, that we're coming worthy of that suffering as our Lord suffered on the cross, that we may be counted among the Thessalonians as those who are deemed worthy of suffering alongside our Lord. And so where do we find joy in this Christmas season? Do we see peace? Is it in what is true and good and beautiful? Or is it in the crass consumerism to fill the void of our insatiable appetites? Do we seek a false peace with this world? Jesus says, where your treasure is, so is your heart. When we hold on to our good and gracious God, joy reigns in our hearts. Behold, our Savior came as an infant, Think about the joy of the Holy Family when new life came into the world and Mary held the Christ child in her arms. Any new life there is a joy to behold, right? But it's especially joyous that this child will be the one to take away the sins of the world. You know, this Advent season, we have to evaluate was really on our hearts to repent of our sins and turn to our Savior who gives us joy. The joy of Christ is in those moments where his saving power is made manifest. The moments of loneliness. Missing a loved one that we wish that they were there with us this Christmas season. The false starts of this world, the, the destructive effects of sins, all of 
these are moments in which Christ's joy enters our hearts as we are supported as the body of Christ, as we come alongside each other to share the comfort uh, that Christ has given to us this Christmas season. We rejoice because Christ has overcome the world. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely, and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful. He will surely do it. Paul brings to you a blessing today. God completely sanctifies your body, soul, and spirit. He has washed you in the baptism, and God will keep you blameless in that baptism until the day of his coming. Jesus is faithful to you. He never lies. And he promises to preserve you until the day of the resurrection. And so we are a people of joy and hope. We are people of joy as those being counted worthy of suffering as our Lord did, to be his witnesses out into this dark and dying, decaying world, to forsake all the so-called joys of this world so that we may have the joy of Christ. You know, so the joys of this life are like when I was in 10th grade, and, you know, the youth, I was at one time in 10th grade, you know, that did happen, right, okay, and I was, you know, uh, and so when I was in 10th grade, my parents had bought me a video game, and I ended up playing it all night. By the time I realized that I was playing it all night, it was already 4 in the morning, and it was too late for me to go to sleep. I had done what I had wanted, but I had to pay the price, and I dragged the entire day. I remember being in geometry class and dragging the, being zonked in that class and dragging in that class, not being able to pay attention because I had stayed up the whole night previous, right? You know, that's a, you know, that's a, a false joy. Another false joy would be when a child gets into the cookie jar, right? and eats all the cookies, right? It has a sugar high, and then crashes, right? And so in the end, nobody in the house is happy because of the sugar crash, right? You're cranky after, after uh, the sugar high goes away. You know, there's no joy in binging in video games. There's no joy when a child crashes on a sugar high. Joy is not found in what we want, or when we want, or how we want it. That's not where joy is found. Our joy is found in our Lord and what he has done for us. That we celebrate our God who has taken our sins. You know, and those sins include the, type, the times when we have decided to be our own gods. Jesus died for our idolatry that we may be with him forever. He died so that we may never suffer the eternal consequences of our sins. That's what the season is about. We should not hold on to the trappings and the Christmas parties, or the various things that we feel that we are compelled to do this Christmas season. That is not the substance of Christmas. Christ is the substance of the Christmas season. And so, hold fast to what is good. Hold fast to Jesus. Be of good cheer. Don't let the joy of the season slip out of your fingers. Do not allow the sinful flesh of the devil to steal that joy. Our God is good. He is always faithful to us. He never lies to us. He has declared to us our sins are forgiven. Believe him. Believe in his word. Believe in truth. 
when the idols of the season distract us, hold fast to what is good. Jesus is the reason for the season. He is the reason of our joy. And the thing is, is what I say today, it can't change the circumstances that you're going through in life. Right? But we know the one who can change the circumstances. And we look with joy and behold him when he comes in glory. And we're going to be caught in the air with him. Imagine the joy that we'll have when we'll see our Lord with our own eyes and behold him in his glory, right? Imagine the joy that we're going to see the hope of God's people right in front of us, right in our own eyes. So hold fast to what is good. Be of good cheer. Christ is coming soon. That joyous day is coming. Amen. Dear friends, go with God's blessing this day. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you his peace. Amen. Thank you for joining us in this time of worship. From all of us at St. Paul's Lutheran Church and School, we thank you for listening. More worship opportunities are available on our website at stpaulslutheran.net. Just click worship at the top of the page. May God bless you and your family each and every day. And again, thank you for listening.